Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. If you have your Bibles, go with me if you can to 1 Chronicles chapter number 28. Um, this is just something that's kind of... Um, out of the abundance of the heart, it's kind of in the overflow. First Chronicles chapter 28, First Chronicles. So we're going all the way um, into before the cross, before the Gospels began. Are you with me? All the way back, go back in the timeline, all the way to Chronicles chapter 28. I want to read from verse 1. So I'm going to read through some Scripture here and then I'll elaborate. But I'm going to come to a conclusion and what I want to talk about to you this morning um, will probably end off in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you want to make a note of that in the meantime, you're welcome to. Um, but I want to just kind of um, fill you in here. Solomon chapter 28 and Solomon chapter 29 is um, David beginning to talk to the children of Israel about the building of the temple. Somebody say building of the temple. Um, and, and so, uh, and I believe, you know, that, you know, while God has used my wife and I many, many times in a prophetic pattern, what does that mean? What is a prophetic pattern? I'm just saying sometimes God has got my attention in certain portions of the Bible Amen. pertaining to how His instruction was guiding me. Um, in the pattern of Scripture. For instance, when I met my wife, the Lord gave me the, the, the Scripture with, with Jacob, you know, on his way to find his wife. How many of you realise he has an encounter with the Lord where he sees the angels ascending and descending and it says, in the place that you lie, I have given unto you. And so I remember at that particular moment, um, I had just Met, met April and then I, I was in Tennessee at the time. Well, actually just before I met April, I was in Tennessee. He says, in the, play that, in the place that you lie, I've given unto you. And then, you know, I was looking for a wife. I'm just being honest with you. I mean, the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing Amen. and he obtains favour from the Lord. So I was single and I was loving being single, but you know, I was very open. You know, I was open for interviews and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but the point of the matter is, is the Lord puts that scripture. And so my, my focus at that time was, well, I'm in Tennessee in the place that you lie, I have given unto you. And it spoke about that place where he was. Well, actually it didn't say that exactly. That was the house called Bethel. And the Lord said Bethel, and that means house of the Lord. So the Lord said, okay, we're going to establish the house of the Lord. I'm right here in Tennessee. And that's what the Lord's showing me. But remember, Jacob's on a mission. He's on his way to get his wife. Amen. So the very next place after that, I go to Michigan to visit a pastor, a minister in his church, and he calls me back. I go back to Tennessee, calls me back and he says, hey, listen, um, we want you to come to a conference from the church that we came out of. They're having a conference and we feel like you need to be there. So I had the phone on my head, you know, uh, one of those clamshell Motorola fold in half phones that were really popular back at the time. And I've got the thing on my head and, and I'm going, you know, just immediately there was a peace that came on me and I said, you know, I'm not gonna pray about it. I really feel like the Lord wants me to be there. So two weeks later, I was in Michigan. Uh, I went straight to stay with the pastor. We all drove to the conference together. And my wife had been serving in that church for 12, 13 years already. And she was, a, you know, from a teenager, she had been worshipping uh, part of the worship team over there and she was on the stage and I came in and back then I was like into suits. I really loved wearing suits all the time. And I actually had like a T.D. Jake suit. I had a black, pair of black formal pants and I had the waistcoat that didn't come down to here. Yay, verily, my waistcoat was just above my ankles. So I had this waistcoat on and then the jacket was just as long as the waistcoat. And I came in, you know, I looked like I was 15 years older than what I was. And, uh, but anyway, so that was me. So April has this impression. She's like, who's this old man? You know, and uh, you know, she, she had come from working out all day and uh, we went to the back room at the end of the service and I was introduced to some of the speakers there and um, they tried to get me to 
be introduced to April and I wasn't ready to be introduced. She certainly wasn't. She, she had come in her workout clothes. She tried to look as appropriate as she possibly could given the circumstances. I mean, she was working for a coffee shop. She was a school teacher full-time and she was um, studying at the same time. I mean, so she is hectic. Her mind is just overwhelmed and they're trying to introduce us to each other. And uh, she wanted nothing to do with it. So by the time I turned my head back to say, hi, my name's Mark, she had already left. And she gets into her car and she goes, Lord, please, I don't want to go to Africa. Something along those lines. Her mom set eyes on me when I walk into the building. She said, Lord, if that's my April's husband, please don't let, her, let him take her to Africa with him. You know, I just wanted to be in the USA. So she already had like some inkling of what was going on before anything could happen. But the point of the matter is, is I went from Tennessee to the next place. And if you look at Jacob, the next place that he goes to, he finds his wife. Now, obviously I didn't have to find one and then another one and wait for another seven years. Fortunately, the Lord did me good the first time around. And... uh, so, so the point of the matter is, is that scriptural pattern, God's spoken to us many, many times using scriptural pattern to show us, but I didn't understand what the Lord was initially showing me. If I'd got stuck here, I wouldn't have recognised the next thing, but I was like, oh Lord, this is amazing. So here I'm saying all of that to say this, is that we're in one of those moments again, where we're in a season. Somebody say this, somebody say the season of war. Now, I'm not talking about bloodshed and swords. Last week, I was under the prophetic unction and, 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 I, and I said a lot of things prophetically and, uh, and I shared this on Monday night because one of the things that uh, you know, time didn't allow for or somehow just never got communicated was that the Lord had, uh, had said for us, we, you know, we, we, the walls of Jericho have come down. Are you with me? Somebody say the walls have come down. down. All right, that's good news for any of us right now. All right, you're facing walls of opposition. In other words, listen, the key and the the land of milk and honey is on the other side of those walls. And in order to, to get on the other side of the walls, the walls have to come down. Well, I believe that God has led us into a victory where the walls have come down. Are you with me? So God has shattered the walls. Now what remains for us is... We are a battalion marching forth. In other words, we are plundering hell to populate heaven. Are you with me? We are taking the marching orders of God Almighty and we are doing what God has called us to do. Are you with me? So, but there is a time and a place for that. And, and I believe that season is, is upon us. We're in it. It's not like, you know, uh, God, is, God has really been strong on, on me personally, and I, and I want us as a body to be strong on the same point yeah. where we must begin to watch the language coming out of our mouths. Yeah, that's right. What do I mean by that? Is that we've got to quit putting everything somewhere in the past or somewhere in the future. God says, the land has been given to you. Possess the land, not somewhere in the future. God says, possess the land now. Amen. In other words, He didn't give you your victory. You don't need your victory tomorrow. You need your victory now. And so you've got to begin to reach out and grab by the authority of the Christ, not in your own strength. Remember this, this is, we do nothing unless the Holy Spirit first initiates it through us first. We don't move out of our flesh. We do nothing by the flesh. But when we understand God has given us a green light in the Spirit, then we move on that. That's okay. Why? Because His grace will be sufficient. His power will be there so that He he will meet you on the other side of your obedience because there's still faith involved here. As the walls have come down, we can look at the walls and we can stare at the walls that have crumbled like rubble in front of us or we can go in and possess the land that the Lord has given us. And in order to possess the land, we must still operate in the place of faith. Oh God, how many of you realise that the plan and the purposes of God for our lives are far greater than us being able to do it in our own strength? Because if you could do it in your own strength, it would not require faith. That's right. God has never left anything for us to do that didn't require any faith. Why is faith important? Because it always gets you to lean and be dependent upon Him. Yes. Amen. That's right. Reach it. Yep. 
It never allows you to lean in on the arm of your own strength to get anything done. Amen. Say this with me, where God is taking me to, faith is necessary. Say this with me, where God is taking me, faith isn't optional. That's for us in our daily lives, for spouses, husbands, wives, kids, whatever. That's for us in our family living. That is also concerning and pertaining to the Kingdom of God. It's for every part of our lives. No buts and ifs. That's right. So here in First Chronicles chapter number 28, and we might as well leave that one there because really it's still under the banner. We haven't like lost the banner of Occupy. We're just, we're occupying right now. Come on, somebody say Occupy. occupy. We're not doing it. We're not uh, taking, we're not seizing anything that didn't already belong to us. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We're just simply taking back what the enemy stole. That's right, That's right. Come on. So, so, so here David, and I'm going to read you. Now David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel, the officers and the tribes and the captains of the divisions who served the king, the captains over thousands and captains over hundreds and the stewards over all the, over all the substance and possessions of the king and his sons with the officials, the valiant men and all the mighty men, men of valour. Come on, somebody say mighty men of valour. I want to declare to you that heaven and the Father looks at you and He sees you as a mighty man and a woman of valour here this morning. Surely if the Lord says it's time to possess the land and that you're an army, that, that uh, when He says mighty men of valour, that He has already warranted us, labelled us, stamped us with this fingerprint of approval. Are you with me? Then the King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house for the rest of the ark, uh, for uh, a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord. In other words, we want to, I, I had it in my heart to give the glory of God a place in which it could dwell and rest. Amen? Amen. That's what David's saying here. For the covenant of the Lord and for the and for the footstool of our God, and he and had made preparations to build it. But my God said to me, You shall not build a house for my name, because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. Now I want you to know that this statement is not an indictment against David. This is not a David, you've shed so much blood and you have caused so much problem for me. Look, your hands are so dirty and full of blood that you cannot build my house for me. No, because, because every battle that David went into, the Bible says concerning David, he inquired of the Lord, shall I go up against this one? Shall I go up against that one? Shall I do this? Shall I do that? Lord, what say you? Come on, I'm just using modern day vernacular here. He, he always inquired of the Lord. In other words, again, I'm telling you, nothing that was initiated by David was not first without hearing from the Lord. Unless... Uh, come on, they, unless the Lord builds a house, they labour in vain that build it. And so much of the Kingdom of God is birthed out of our attempts and what we can do by human strength. But we never sit and bother. We always do things and we say things and we plan for things and we do projects and we do this and we do that. And after we do it, we say, God, now come and bless it. That's not how we do things in the King of God. We don't just do whatever we want in this and our God come and bless it. No, we wait on the Lord. God says do something. When He says it, then we operate. Why? Because in, when we move, when He has said, we have the authority and jurisdiction to do it by His divine authority. Why? Because He ordered it and what He orders, He pays for. Come on. Come on. And, and I say this and I've said it before. There was, there was some uh, Asiatic people from China that came to a, a great 
conference here in the United States of America. And I'm not putting America on the hot seat here. No, I'm not saying that. Listen, I'm, you, you hear me? I am a missionary to this great land. God bless America. Thank God for the United States of America because I will tell you, we are a standing, there, is a, there, are, there are many righteous in the land. So there's no, there's no slant in what I'm saying. However, at the same time, I am saying that there is an arm of the flesh that has risen up, a church that is based on a, on a, on a, on a, on a come on, it is based on the strength of men and, and it, it's kind of almost built like a franchise, if you will. Like a business. The kingdom of God is not a business. It's a kingdom full of people. It's a family. So these people attend this conference and, and they have an interview with them and they ask them, so what did you think? And they answered and the answer was this, it's amazing to see what you can do without the Holy Spirit. Yep. <laughs> so we can accomplish much in the flesh, but that which is born of the flesh, you must maintain by the flesh. Because God's not gonna prop up what you started. That's right, amen. Amen? Amen. I know it's getting quiet in here and I'm not trying to be, I'm not, there's no, I mean, there is, there is nothing but love in my heart as I say these things. But, but we must be a people. We are supposed to be led by the Spirit. We don't do whatever we want to and then, okay, Lord, now lead me. In other words, what we're doing is we're getting all this stuff, we get excited about it and we get into our feelings and our emotions. Maybe the Lord never led you. And then we say, now, Lord, help me keep it. And God is, you know, God is merciful. Amen. And God oftentimes moves because in spite of all the chaos, He still loves His people. That's right. Preach it. And He's, he's gracious. Amen. And even in the middle of that, He'll try to get you to understand what the difference is. And we must learn not to deviate because it's tempting to deviate and go in the strength of man. Amen. It's easy to be tempted to walk in what I can do in my own strength. It's easy to go there. It's very simple to go there. But what will keep you out of trouble is when you have the, the, the self-control of the Holy Spirit Amen. and you have the fruit of the Spirit and the nature and the character of God working in you to be able to say no to the temptations of the flesh and to learn to say yes when it's Him telling you to do it. Because if you will do only what He tells you to do, you will live in rest and Amen. grace and peace. That's right. Amen. <laughs> Come on, somebody. But God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war and you have shed. Now, David, everything that he did, he inquired of the Lord. Even when he went to battle, God gave him and delivered. Make no mistake, David was a mighty warrior. Amen. David was of which tribe? Judah. Hail, hail, line of Judah. Come on. Now, well, the point of the matter is David was a mighty man of war and he knew how to roar. Yes. Amen. <laughs> he roared with the roar of God's Amen. green light. In other words, he only, he only, uh, he operated where he knew he could operate. Amen. And God's saying, listen, you've been a man of war. You've shed much blood. People identify with you as the man of war, but I'm changing the seasons and the season of peace. Solomon means peace. And he says, for I've chosen Solomon. God told him, Solomon is the one that I've chosen that will build the house. 
but 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 when he goes now and I'm and I'm kind of moving ahead to kind of speed up here a little bit um and and then it says here in verse 5 and all of my sons for the Lord has given me many sons and yes he certainly did David you're right and he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel now he said to me it is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts for I have chosen I God have chosen him to be my son and I will be his father moreover I will establish his kingdom forever if he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. Now, therefore, in the sight of all of Israel, the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all of the commandments of the Lord your God. Now, this is David speaking to Solomon that you may possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance for your children and your children after you forever. So God is a God of generational mindset. He's not just thinking for the immediate and nor is David. David is actually now, we'll go ahead and see that in a few moments, he is understanding his season of war, but then the season of peace is coming, but he doesn't just go, thank you, God, it's been great. I'm checking out Solomon, here's my hand. Let's give him a handshake. I'm gonna retire on a hill somewhere. Are you with me? David doesn't stop there. Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule. Come on, and I wanna make sure that I don't miss this part. As for you, my son, you, you know the God of your father and serve Him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind for the Lord searches all the hearts and understands all the intents Amen. of thoughts. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any yeah. two-edged sword and, division, and, uh, and pierces even to the division of soul and spirit and a bone and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Thank you, Jesus. Right. If you seek Him, and that's why God chose David out of the house of Jesse. He was the eighth son that was presented before the prophet Samuel, the eighth the eighth, number eight new beginnings. David, I'm going to bring something new in the land. God looked at him and Samuel said, is there any other, do you have any other kids? And Jesse said, there remains one more. And he says, nobody sit down until David shows up here. And David comes and the Lord says, I've chosen him. And he pours the oil upon David prophetically as an indication that he has been the one anointed to be king. And from that day, the Word of God says, the Spirit of the Lord rested upon on him. He says, because I look at the heart. David had a heart for the Lord. We know David messed up. He murdered and and he was an adulterer. We're not going at the shortcomings because let's all measure us. Let's just make sure that the same grace David needed is the same grace that you and I need. It doesn't authenticate nor give us the green light to do whatever we want to. That's not the point. The point is this, that God looked beyond and saw the heart of David as a man that would follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit before he would do anything. As a man, when God would say, listen, this is what I want you to do. And who would also follow the Lord when he says, David, you're not gonna build the house. Solomon, your son is gonna build the house. He could have said, oh, maybe that's just a voice. I'm gonna go ahead and do it anyway because there are men in the Word that didn't obey God and did what they wanted to do anyway. David chose, God knew there was something in David that would avail his heart to the King of all kings, the God of all creation that God could accomplish and His purpose through him. Consider now, Solomon, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. And then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule, its houses, its treasuries, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, the place of the mercy seat and the plans for all that he had by the Spirit. God gave David all of the blueprints for the temple, but yet said, you're not building it. He could have just said, hey, listen, Solomon's gonna build me a temple, hand the baton over to him. And no, 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 this is a test of the heart. I'm just trying to say something here. David had the opportunity to say, wow, I'm gonna get to build the house of the Lord. But God says, no, you're not going to. Guess what He does? He comes and he brings, his, he brings the army before Him and He says, listen, there's a temple that's gonna be built. God said, I'm not gonna be the one to build it. So be it. 
God is, is a spirit of humility Amen. that says, I'm not going to do anything right. that God never said I should do. Amen. That's right. he, he, there's somewhere David learned lessons from God. Are you with me? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And, and it's okay, you know, we, 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 I've done many things and I walk in a tremendous sense of the fear of the Lord. In fact, I consciously, like, I mean, Lord, this is so good. I just feel what you're doing here. I sense it in the atmosphere as I walk every day. And it's like, oh, you know, I'm like, there, there's, a, there's a, an, an, a, a, a weightiness upon me and it's perpetual. And, and I'm like, there's an awareness and that awareness keeps me wanting to stay as close as I can yes, to Him. Lord. because and, and not that God, you know, David said, Lord, you can have anything, but remove not your presence from me. And there's sort of like that consciousness of of being aware of what God is doing and honouring it. That's right. That's right. And walking in a, in, a, in a supernatural fear, and I say all of that just to say this, that we, we've, we've all done some things in our lives that have cost us. Amen. We've made some decisions outside of the Holy Spirit telling us to do those things. And we've learned some lessons. Let those lessons be learned so that now we quit. Come on, quit doing the same thing time and time again and then expecting a different result. That's called and a form of insanity. Come on, even a hog will go down and drink from the water and you can go to the top of the tree and a branch be sticking out right above that water where the hog comes and you can drop a brick on the hog's head and he'll come and drink and go, "Mm, I'm thirsty and then get a brick on his head and run away. The next day he's thirsty again, comes back, you sit in the tree, drop a brick on the hog's head, do that for three days. On the fourth day, the hog quit coming in. Why? Because he learned water, brick, pain. Amen. There was a formula, an arrival. There was a revelation that going to drink water meant having pain. And he said, I'm quitting drinking water from that part of town because every time I do it, I get pain. So if a hog can learn water brick pain, we must also come to some self-discovery. Water brick pain, quit doing things in your flesh. And let the Holy Ghost initiate them in your life. Because His grace will be sufficient for you in it. I walk in the fear of the Lord when I say this because we didn't come. We were, you know, we were sent by God. Amen. That's right. And I'm okay with saying that now. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm okay with taking ownership of that, that we were sent by God. But, but I was even careful to say, well, because we can't, listen, we've got to be careful. God said. Amen. There's a lot of things that God has, has said in the short time that I've been here with ministers that have started stuff and now they're shut down. But God said, did God say, or did you do it in your flesh? Come on now. That's not an indictment on them. We've got to learn. As long as you will walk away learning and as long as we will humble ourselves and say, Lord, I missed the mark. Now God can say, okay, now you're in a position. You know, sometimes we spend a great deal in life learning what not to do so that we can finally learn what to do. Sometimes, you know, and God forbid many people learn that lesson and it takes them 30 or 40 years. I don't feel like going to walk around another mountain. I promise you that right now, I don't want to walk around the mountain just in the wilderness, just eating the leeks and the garlic when I know on the other side, yea, verily in the promised land, there is a, there is a lamb that can be roasted. Glory to God. There is some filet mignon. There is some, come on now. Oh, you come on, you Cajun people. There's some, there's crawfish the size that no man has ever dreamed of. I mean, it looks... The crawfish are so big and the crawfish are so big they look like a lobster. Glory to God. Come on, how many of you Cajun would be happy if all of a sudden your crawfish turned into the same size as a lobster tail and you went to eat your crawfish boil and you'd only have to peel one. Hallelujah. 
Just peel one because that one is the size of 200. And all you do is just dip it in that sauce and just come on, eat it. It's got 200 dips worth right there. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Well, there's, there's, you know, there's something beautiful to, to breaking the little crawfish anyway. I'm just saying, because it's a great time to fellowship. It's a great time to communicate with each other. And I will tell you right now, I'm going to tell you something for real. Huh. There is something beautiful in this culture that I believe that God Himself has allowed and, and just even like as something as simple in as eating together as a there is there is way more relationship building in this culture than there is in the rest of the United States of America. Because everything else is revolved around it's in and outburger.com. Nobody ever connects with each other. There's no accountability. There's never relationship building. And so what I'm trying to say more deeply is there is family culture. And God, God's into family. That's it, His family, of course. But, 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 but there's something in that family coming together. Are you with me? That, that's part of the intentionality of God giving family in the first place. Because the Hebrew church function in this thing called family. Fathers, sons, daughters. Amen? All right, so where were we? Somewhere, somewhere with David. I think we were on the Great Wall of China. Is that where we were? No, we weren't there. So David had the blueprints. God gives him the blueprints. Thank you very much, Mallory. I was just testing to see if somebody was listening. And the Lord says, you received three golden stars. Now, I'm just going to move forward here. So David is now making the point, Solomon, you're going to get to build. Solomon, be loyal to God. You know the God of your father. He's speaking to himself in, as the first person. He says, now, the same way that you've seen me operate, I want you to operate, but God has called you to build this temple. This is the task that, that God's called you to. I didn't, God came to me and said, I'm not going to build it, but you are. He has chosen you, Solomon. That's right. <clears throat> And David, being the man of legacy, understands. Can, can, can we just stop here for a second? I want you to understand this is all about building what? But what's it, what are we physically building? That you're building a house for what? For, for, for the glory of God to rest. So what is this house for? This house is for God. And in tw- chapter 29, verse 1, it says, Furthermore, thank you for all the answers. <laughs> trying to get stars. This is, yeah. <laughs> there we go. They were all trying to get gold stars. I get it. All right. Furthermore, King David said, this is 29 verse one, said to all the assembly, my son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen. Nobody chose him. God did. Is young and inexperienced. That's what he says. And he says, the work is great. Come on. Because the temple is not for man. He's inexperienced. The work is grace. The temple is not for man. It is for the Lord God. So we're not building a house for man. We're building a house for the glory of God. David has a revelation. These blueprints, come on. There is kahoshambrakate. Listen to me. I mean, just think about how crazy this is. God has given David blueprints for himself to live in. This is a house not for man. There has been no blueprints given like this ever before. We can build and we can do things for ourselves, but this temple is different. It is for God Himself. Ha 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 ha. I felt the glory on that right there. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> My goodness. So, so just bear in mind, so, so it's, it's, the house is for the Lord. So David has blueprints to build God a house. Now it's no wonder that he thinks, hey, Solomon's gonna be building the temple, but I want a piece of the action. I might not be physically building, but I'm gonna do everything that I can to contribute to the building of the house. And in modern day, in modern day, through the scholars and you know the people that have very large brains, they've taken the time to actually work out what David actually gave to the temple out of his personal treasury. And David's offering was the equivalent of 20 billion US dollars for that building of the house of the Lord. Why, Why so much opulence? It's God's house. Amen. That's right. The house of God. Amen. There's nothing in the heart of David that would come close to saying, Lord, I want to be a part of Bill. Oh my, I am a, I, I, I've been given the mandate. I've been given the blueprints. I'm handing it over to Solomon. I'm building God's house. Relax, this is not an offering message that we're about to turn into here. Here he comes. He's going to tease He's gonna tell everybody, grab an envelope. He's gonna put his head in front of the pulpit. He's gonna say, now rub the envelope on his head and then pray about what God would have you give. This is not an end. We're not taking an offering right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. This is again to show you that when the horn of oil was poured on the head of David, God knew. That he who knew David before he was even in his mother's Come womb, Come on. that he would be faithful to carry out the task. Thank you, Jesus. Solomon, Solomon, come on. I mean, like Solomon's wealthy, right? But can we even begin to understand why Solomon then becomes the man who is the richest man on the planet Earth? Why? Because he obeyed the voice of his dad, took the blueprints, didn't add to it, didn't take away from it, built a house. You see, you see, the ark needed to rest. The glory of God was in God's glory. His presence. Yes, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Was we know, thank God. Well, I'm not going to move ahead of myself here. But, but, but the glory of God now, is, is been, He's been given the, the job now to house the glory. So what do, you, what do you put the glory in? And why do you think they went through so much lengths? Because the outward temple... This is the only way in the hand, by the hands of men and by the strength of men that we would come close to be able to represent the glory on the inside. So they had to match the glory by building a temple that would try to come as close as possible to explain and describe how glorious He is. The temple had to try to match the glory. It had to reflect the glory. We'll quickly pop over here. Corinthians chapter three. You don't have to go there. Just listen while we're. I don't want you even thinking right now. Well, think, please. According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder. This is Paul talking in 1 Corinthians chapter three. I laid a foundation another is building upon it, but let each man and let them be careful how they build or he builds on it for no man can lay a foundation other than that which one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will, will become evident for the day will show it. The day, another translation says, for the day of the Lord will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test 
the quality of each man's work. What have you done by the strength of man? And what have you done that has been initiated by the Holy Spirit? Because anything that you've done in your flesh for God is mounts to nothing as much as you're motivated. But God never, if God never ordered it, He's not, He's, <laughs> come on, who was it? Saul, Saul did what he wasn't, Saul was given a command, King Saul. The Bible says the anointing was lifted off of him, but God gave him specifics on what to do. And he yeah. did a little bit extra. Yeah. And then he, God communicates with him. And, he's, and that's where the Scripture comes, obedience is better than sacrifice. You see, sometimes in our prayer closet, we will go to God with our long list of things we've done from God. I've done this for you and I've done that for you and I've done this for you. And, 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 and obedience is better than sacrifice. In other words, we have gone many times into the place of sacrifice and God said, I never asked you to do that. You put yourself in a place. Now you're coming to me to show me everything you've done with your own hands. I never asked you. All I asked you was for your obedience. Amen, that's right. God cannot bless that which is done in the flesh. Why? It's not that He doesn't want to bless you because if He does, He will be endorsing your works of the flesh and you will keep on doing it. So in other words, it keeps you there and it doesn't train you out. If any man's work build which remains, he will receive a reward. And if any man's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved as through fire. Listen. It just means that you're going to get in smelling like smoke. All right? I'm not making light of it. Now, verse 16. Do you... This is the last verse for today. Do you... Not know that you are the temple. Solomon built a temple for God. But when Jesus went and ascended and sat at the right hand of the Father, when He said it is finished, 120 days late, well, 50 days later, 120 in the upper room, the Holy Spirit comes like a mighty rushing wind and He shows up violently and shakes the ground and they all begin to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gives them utterances, a fire that's sitting upon each and every one of them. The fire of God comes upon them. He shows up so violently. Why? Because since Adam, He has not been able to indwell man that was created in His image and likeness. And for the first time since Adam, Holy Spirit shows up, boom, like a violent mush, riding mushing wind. And He comes and, and His glory just saturates them. No longer is God restricted to an ark made by man, but now glory comes on the inside. And these temples have been created in His righteousness now. But these temples are to be reflectors, just like the Solomon, Solomon's temple, just like the temple Solomon built for God. This body now must be a reflector of the Shekinah glory of God. You are the temple of God that the Spirit of God dwells. The ark. <laughs> the ark of the covenant. God's ark. That which was that which was held in a temple has now come to live in your temple. It's okay, never apologize. Come on, like, sorry guys, I don't know about you, but this kind of stuff, like I'm blown away. So David's heart was, he gave towards that. Now, we are in the place where we have become that temple. And look at Solomon's life. This is why I said David, David 
did something that would carry through up until now. We're talking about what David did now. Just like, like the woman who poured the alabaster box on the head of Jesus, what, will be, what she did was, would be told in memory of her. What David did is being told in memory of him towards the glory of God. Solomon built a temple. Why was Solomon the richest man that ever walked the face of the earth? He built a house for God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. He built a house for God. How can you not be blessed? Amen. The ark just showed up at the house of Obed-Edom for three months and everybody had to say, did you see Obed-Edom's house? What did they say? Obed-Edom is blessed. Why? Because he had the presence of God there. Solomon built a final resting place for the ark inside of the temple. Is it any wonder that he was as blessed as he was? Is it any wonder that he had so much wisdom? Come on, preach it. Thank you, Yahweh. And I'm saying all of that to culminate with this point. Not for condemnation, not for guilt, no shame. And thank God looks at us based on the righteousness of Jesus that He became for us. But, but the temple can only reflect the glory to the same degree that you will value the glory in the temple. What does that even mean? We adorn our temple with great ease sometimes more than we adorn the glory of the resident one. So when, when, we, when we yield to the flesh, we are preferring the flesh over the glory. We will settle for a little bit of soup in a bowl. We will sell our birthright to have a momentary lapse of pleasure in the flesh. So the point of the matter is the way to victory in this area so that we can become reflections of the glory of God is constantly being conscious of what you just heard today. That the ark has made a place of residence on the inside of you. And what kind of temple are you presenting before men? Is it one that reflects the glory? Or is there so much of myself that nobody can see the treasure hiding on the inside of me? It's not a condemning word. No, no, no. That's a releasing word. Because what I'm trying to tell you is the more you will become, well, the more you will carry the fear of the Lord to knowing what's on the inside of you, your flesh in everything that it does will think twice before it does it. Amen. You talk about power to be free from sin. That is is the power to be free yes, from sin. Yes. That is the power to be free yes. from sin. Because you are conscious of the... Like, think about the ark of God. No, we're not, we're not... This is not like a fairy story. This is not a fairy tale. This is actually... A ark, an ark was made by man to which David gave 20 billion, to which Solomon built... They didn't go through all of that because 
the glory of God wasn't an insignificant thing. That same glory that they did the big ordeal for to let it rest on the inside of there is the same glory that lives on the inside of you. That's what's living on the inside of you. Are you reflecting it? Because your temple was designed to reflect Him. Just the way the, the temple was designed to reflect the glory. Come on. Come on. Amen. That's all I'm saying. So when the fear of the Lord's there, and you're having, you, you, you're having a, a, a temptation in your life of the flesh, you will think twice about it. That's right. And the chances are you're probably going to say, nope, nothing's worth the glory on the inside of me. There's nothing that's worth the glory on the inside of me. I mean, like we're not even talking about financial offerings. We're not even doing that. The point is, is that every time you you say no and you are saying no, not not by yours because the fear of the Lord is there and, and that fear that works in you as you respond to it, it is an offering of your flesh. It is an offering of your flesh. It's a sizzling of your flesh. Cook me just a little bit more. Cook me just. No, I'm being serious. And that that cooking of the flesh. mm, It's a it's a smelling. Come on, how many of you ever smelt the flesh, the the fat of an animal burning on a grill? Let me tell you something right now. I don't know about you guys, but we need to lay hands on you. But to me, there's nothing like eating a nice piece of gristled fat on a grill. I mean, the Bible says if you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the fat, the fat of the land. There's something just so decadent in that fat. Are you with me? And it smells wonderful. I can only imagine as we yield to God and He allows to burn that, burn, baby, burn. And it goes up into His nostrils. And He's like, shum. I mean, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm putting myself there. This is what I would be doing. Shikaramande, shandaramanda. Come on, the church should be a place filled with, with the sound of sizzling for Him. Are you with me? Sizzle so that the glory can be made manifest. Sizzle so the glory can be a reflection. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, I don't know about you. Are you glad you came to church today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.